0: Hello, Star Wars fans! Welcome back to another episode of Stories by Darksaber Light. I'm Jess, and today you are joining in conversation with me and two new guests. Marisha from Coruscant Radio Underground, and Michelle from Force of Light Entertainment. And we have spent, altogether, a couple of hours talking about everyone's favorite princess and general, Leia Organa. We've been talking about her character, and her story, and just generally what makes her such a beloved and enduring figure in the world of Star Wars, and in the public conscience as well. And if you're interested in Hearing the first half of that conversation, you can jump over to Coruscant Radio Underground at thefictionary.com or other podcast hosting sites as well. There we talked about the idea of Leia as hero, including the definition of the word and whether every person who qualifies as a hero has to undergo their own hero's journey. But then we also contrasted that with the idea of Leia as a more static character and the value that um, a character that doesn't have a grandiose character arc can still have in a story, Um, as well as the importance of different people in her life, including um, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and um, Bail and Breja Organa as well, which I think uh, was just a wonderful conversation about who has really molded Leia into the, the person that we know and love. Um, now we look forward to continuing this conversation. And so we're going to open up the floor and explore some more questions.
1: Awesome. There's so many Leia things to talk about. Um, okay. So kind of one of the things that... We we kind of touched on a little bit, but I was curious if anybody had any more complete thoughts, I guess, on the subject, is that Leia, of course, being an original character from the original series, like, we spent... 30 some odd years like thinking about all the directions that Leia's character could go right and there were EU novels some of us didn't read them and some of us just had headcanons. and then we got the sequels and we were like and here's what happened to Leia so we've we discussed in the uh, the previous segment that we weren't over the moon about the direction they went with Han and Leia. Right. As, as an to put item it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly, but as far as some of the other, the other directions, her character went like, how did you feel about sequel Leia as opposed to the Leia that you had always had in your head as a little girl?
2: Okay. So one, I think that Leia and Han both were the two characters that I feel like felt the most them, like themselves as far as the originals. Mm-hmm. And you you just saw Leia being what she was a leader a leader a general she was still those same things, but I will say this that I was so happy. Okay, in the last Jedi we got we got what uh, Mary Poppins Leia, which the execution was really bad, but I was happy that they showed she could use the force. Mm-hmm. And and then we got that continued in the rise of Skywalker of showing that Leia was trained. She did uh, you know build her own lightsaber and that like meant a lot to me as, like as an adult because in return of the Jedi when Luke tells her that they're brother and sister, it's by saying the the force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. And it's just, and he tells her one day you'll learn to use it the way I have. So I wanted to see that, like that was the logical next step for Leia to go from what they set up in the original trilogy. So as much as it felt great that she was still this general and this leader, I was so, that was just kind of one of those touching moments for me, a fan service that worked for me personally, because it was something I wanted so bad and just seemed like it was so logical for her to do. So I I appreciated that a lot.
0: Yeah, a couple thoughts from me, kind of on on similar lines. One, I I agree with the idea that like, of the original characters, Han and Leia do feel like themselves. Uh, I do think that they seem like they kind of go back to square one. It feels like we're entering in on a new hope, (laughs) (laughs) revisited. Um, I mean, people always criticized Force Awakens for kind of being a new hope reimagined. And I don't like, I mean, I definitely can see that. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I think beyond just the plot, is that our characters kind of go back to that, you know, they kind of go back to this sarcastic, loner quality, dealing with some pretty big traumas and, and dealing with it with dealing with it in their own ways. And so... Um, it wasn't that they felt out of character. It just felt like we it had that we had moved on from them as those characters. Um, but I definitely would have been open to exploring them coming back from that, which is why you know I mean it was it was hard because Han died at the end of of Force Awakens, so it wasn't like I could expect more. But in general, like, that that really hurt, but I was still willing to be pretty optimistic as to, like, well, what, what is Force Awakens setting up for the rest of this story? Um, I mentioned in the other s- segment that, you know, f- for me, that was something that underlies the kind of the, the wars that took place over, you know, who's Rey related to, what's her parentage, because I really felt like the only way that that... Um, that destroyed relationship could kind of be redeemed, could possibly be through, you know, a, a past that connects her to the Solos or the Skywalkers or in some other way that um, kind of would have, I don't know, kind of redeemed that um, that relationship that we first that we see them in in uh, the Force Awakens. But that's not the direction that they went, and so <laughs> we'll just have to. You know, accept that, move on. Have my own uh, head cannons, and I'll just enjoy the EU books. <laughs> uh, and but then also, yeah, yes, I was very, very pleased that they canonized that Leia is not just force sensitive, but actively can use it. Um, I really felt like, I mean. I don't know, like, I I wasn't the hugest fan, like, I was a fan of Star Wars, but I wasn't, like, a fanatic, so I wasn't really sure what I was expecting when um, Force Awakens came out. I didn't spend a lot of time coming up with headcanons before then, but I definitely think that if I had a little bit more, I probably would have been expecting Leia to not be a Jedi herself, mainly maybe, but um, know how to use the Force, and so... um, like, I like that we got those hints. I wish we could have gotten more. I also will say, really wish that they had given her a purple lightsaber. That's a really little thing, but it means a lot to me. Carrie Fisher wanted a purple lightsaber, and I think that you can make a really good case that Leia is Mace Windu's ideological descendant. Hmm. I think that there's a practicality that they both have that, I mean, like, because I get, I get a little bit... Um, touchy when people like to say that Mace Windu was actively using the dark side. Um, I don't think that it goes that far, but I do think that, you know, he's shown to have some, some real, you know, just kind of the ends justify the means type Mm -hmm. personality, which I really think that Leia also does have. We've talked in the other segment about how she's just exceptionally practical. She's just somebody who Sees what has to be done for the benefit of everyone else, and then she does it. And so I was—that was a headcanon that I had beforehand that I was just a little bit disappointed wasn't didn't come to fruition.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I had I had not ever heard that she wanted a purple lightsaber, but by golly, if she wanted one, that's what they should have given her. I'm with you on that. Um, you know, and I kind of, you know, I I can definitely kind of feel where y'all are coming from with with your points um and i also was really felt really vindicated whenever we saw leia like doing force things and i think like maybe okay now i'm one of those people who i loved um rise of skywalker like i I really (laughs) really liked it and i know a lot of people like really hated it but of all the sequel movies i think that it was probably my favorite and like, you know, I know everybody had like their moment of, of fan service that worked for them. Mine was whenever Leia, um, whenever Ray gets done running that course and she says, Yes, master, to Leia. And I was like, oh, Leia's her master. I just was like, that was that was like the greatest Star Wars moment uh, for me because I always felt like Leia just deserved that like you know and and I really felt you know whenever as many things have gone so badly for her that she had that that satisfaction of not just a student but a student who was staying the course you know because Leah was always such a stay the course person so for her to have a student who was just so committed to to the light, I just really felt vindicated for that. I mean, and there were definitely some things that some directions that they went with Leia that I was like, yeah, okay, you know. but the decision for her to to keep um, the organa name and the decision for her to have real force powers, I think were some of my favorite um, decisions made um, in the sequel trilogy.
2: Definitely.
0: I agree. And and I think that, like, you know, you also have to remember it was a very difficult thing to have to be dealing with the death of Carrie Fisher. Absolutely. I mean, Rise of Skywalker was going to be her movie, and she was terribly excited about it. And so I think that, like, there's so much more that I wish I could have seen that simply was not able to take place. Mm-hmm. And But what they were able to do with her and for that character really just you know, ending her character like she begins, just very clear-headed and, like, she knows what she's about. And so I I just think that, um, you know, again, in the previous segment we talked all about this idea of whether or not Leia is a static character and the the values that a character like that can still bring. Mm-hmm. And I still think that ending her story the way that, That they did with her just being so steadfast, so committed to the resistance, so desirous that she could reach her son. I just think that there's there's such a value to being able to see that. And she is a strong female character, regardless of whether or not she goes on a hero's journey like her brother
1: does. Mm -hmm. And I think that we see her, you know, in the end, there's a lot of criticism. A lot of criticism leveled sometimes at female characters you know like oh well you know she's got to be defined by the men or you know things like that Um, and I think some people didn't like the fact that she ultimately kind of died in an effort to uh, save someone else it's like why couldn't she do something for her for once but the thing is that is ultimately was part of her strength was her ability to do what needed to be done and to have the the strength of will to do what needed to be done no matter what, no matter what it was going to cost, you know, and and not that her decisions were always perfect. You know, clearly she thought that the thing to be done was to send her son to be trained right by the, the great Jedi. So clearly all of her decisions don't end well, but she always does what she thinks is right without a second thought. And that's something that I always kind of felt like really exhibited her strength in a way that maybe nothing else about her does.
2: Well, and I think too, I think on that, uh, obviously, as you pointed out that before they were limited with what they could do at that point, because she had passed away. Um, But I I think as, you know, as a mother, what, what mother would not do that for their son? Like, what mother, in fact, I, you know, maybe she's just at a low moment, but one of the things that doesn't jive with me about Leia in The Last Jedi is when Luke says, like, I, like he's gone, or like, I can't save him, and she's like, he's gone. Like, that doesn't seem Leia-like to me mm-hmm. to give up. Um, and maybe she was just having a weak moment. We all have those weak moments where we kind of say things we don't really mean. Um, But for her to go out that way, to me, that was a fitting way to see her character off since she had already passed away, Mm -hmm. because that's just the mother's love. And um, you even see throughout the sequel trilogy, Kylo has an affection for his mother where he has a lot of anger for his father. So he definitely had a a weak, like a soft spot for Leia Mm -hmm. that he didn't have near on the same level for Han um, but I just think, I think that that's just fitting. And maybe people who don't get that, they don't understand the love of a mother towards their child, really.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. I think that, and and that's my biggest problem with criticism about her end as well. The idea that, you know, it, it shouldn't have been all about Ben. It shouldn't have been all about her son. And it's like, well, I get that, but when you become a parent there's there's kind of you you're kind of subsumed not by the child specifically but but your priorities completely change Mm -hmm. and i don't like that implication that you know that she wasn't doing something for herself when she did that that was that was all that she wanted was for him to come back Mm -hmm. to the light so If you want to say, you know, was she doing something for herself? I mean, absolutely, because that was her her greatest desire. And I also think that even regardless of that, even if you just take her son completely out of the equation, this is a woman who is, you know, the best of what a politician and a leader should be. You know, I think that we we rail on politicians, we we rail on on you know, bad examples of leadership. But at its core, a leader like Leia, like her parents, like, you know, and and I I think that she grew up with Bale and Breha telling her all about, you know, Padme and and other leaders that they were seeing around her. I, I think that she knew about Obi Wan. I mean I think that in in a new hope she recognizes. I think that she even recognizes that his nickname is Ben. So in in my head, I've always thought like, I think that Bale and Reha were telling her all about these different examples of the good leaders that they were surrounded by. And so for her to embody that, this idea of Mm self-sacrifice, I don't think that that takes away from a character. That character is defined by that desire to serve others. And that, that doesn't have to be viewed as a negative. So if, if she still ends up sacrificing herself, um, regardless, there, there should be a nobility that's, that's recognized in that that doesn't simply say, you know, this is for other people. That's for her, too, because that's exactly what she stands for. Mm-hmm. And so I really did like that ending and the fact that, look, that's, that's really, that was her last wish in life was to see her family reunited in some form. And that's what she did to achieve that.
1: Very well put. So like we see Leia kind of doing lots of different things, right? So in spite of the fact that she doesn't have a hero's journey per se, she does like quite literally have a fairly extensive journey of just maybe not as much Becoming a different character, like Luke, we really see him go from like spoiled brat to like really capable leader. And and Leia, she pretty much well spoiled brat to capable leader to sulky old man to self-sacrificial, right? So you kind of see this sort of. And whereas Leia it's like every time we see her, it's like oh, and she's like you know being the leader and being what what everyone needs to rally behind. But we, we see her do that in a so many different ways. I mean, we see her she she's a princess and she's a senator and then she's a rebel, um, and, and she's a prisoner, and and then she's you know, back to being a, a senator, a powerful senator, a leader. Um, and then she is kind of she's spearheading the resistance. And she's, she does so many different, and, and that's just like her professional life. That's not even her as a wife and a mother and a sister and a daughter. I mean, so we see her doing many things. Like she really, in spite of the fact that um, she is very consistent, she has a much more diverse journey in a lot of ways and a lot of other characters we see so like what are some of your thoughts about all the different people that she is during the course of her life
2: well I think I think all of the things she is like they just kind of go together it was like she was groomed to be all those things the way she was raised so she just truly she wasn't a screw-up kid. Like, she was a kid who truly was groomed and became what she was groomed to be, and you see that throughout her entire journey.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I think that it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, again, sometimes you can get this, especially in sci-fi, where you set up your female characters to have too many good qualities, and they don't, you know, they're they're brainy and beautiful, and and they can, you know, they're a black belt, and you know, all, all of these things, like that's a that's criticism about a, a lot of women in sci-fi, but like for Leia, I just think that it was important for her to be all of those things. It was important for her to be you know, both very intelligent and, and also be able to just kind of pick up a blaster and be a great fighter. And what I, what I do like is that when you factor in her background, It makes sense that she is. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's like you were saying, Michelle. Like, like she has been groomed for this, and there's nothing wrong when you have been prepared well for a role. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with living into that. You know, I think sometimes we think like, oh, you gotta, you know, don't be what your parents want you to be. Gotta be your own person. Well, in this case, she was taught very strong values, and she was given a role, and she lived into it. In, and in an, enabled her to be able to serve millions and millions of people, mm-hmm. and I think that there's something that's just really special about, again, like being a figurehead for young women on screen to be able to say, like, you can be all of this, and you can be any of this, mm-hmm. uh, and and she was she was set up for that, but it still rings true to me. It doesn't it doesn't make me feel like she's too powerful or you know, doesn't have flaws, but she embodies all of those different things and they all serve her in slight, slight, slightly different ways. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, and there's something about Leia's character, as
2: strong as she is, and as in many ways you could view her as like this kind of perfect character in a way, there's something about her that doesn't feel perfect, that feels relatable, that feels rough around the edges, that Mm -hmm. feels like, not that she's dirty, but that You know, I think that even comes in with the Han situation, that she goes for the scoundrel. I I think there's that was even kind of helped that image to where she doesn't just come across as this goody two-shoes, but she comes across as this person. Do I don't even know how to put that into words. Do you guys get what I'm saying? It's like on paper, she should be this perfect character that no one relates to, but when you see her, she doesn't come across
0: that way. That's because it's Carrie Fisher. She's so down
1: to earth. So down to earth. Absolutely.
0: I don't think that... Like, I I do think that if it had been somebody else, she could have come off as this really kind of celestial, untouchable, (laughs) angel-type figure who, who just can do no wrong. But even though we don't see her struggle and fail that often, there's a humanness to her that I think... I don't know. Like, I just... I. Like I completely get what you're saying. There's something that feels so relatable to her, regardless of the fact that her successes and what she's doing aren't really that relatable to us as as humans, as you know, as people outside the story. But I don't know. I think it was Carrie. I think yeah. it was think she brought to that character.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's just that sort of like groundedness. You know, it's like it doesn't. I mean, you hear people all the long day declaring every other female character. In sci-fi, a Mary Sue, but nobody ever suggested that about Leia, even though she's like kind of the epitome of all of the 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 good things in Star Wars. Um, and she's such like I, I think like just as you kind of like look over the all of the different facets of who Leia is, she's such a team player in all of them. Like I think part of her like accessibility is just her willingness to work with whoever's there and like sell her her version of how this ought to be to whoever happens to be there like she's going to convince them and she's going to use their strengths to make it all work um and she she just definitely kind of gives off that that impression um and and i kind of get the the impression that, that carrie fisher was very much that kind of like you know she, you know, it's like you were going to be on on her side kind of person. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's one of my favorite uh, things about her is, is her not just her ability to connect with us as an audience, right, but also her ability to connect with everyone around her in universe. That's a really um, unique quality I think that she has. Um, you know, like I said, her her ability to just be a team player like no matter what even even if she's bucking the system she's still got a team and and honestly I always kind of felt like maybe that's part of the reason that she seemed like she was so good at everything is because she's really good at being in proximity to people who are good at things you know she can handle herself and she's also really good at picking her allies
0: I definitely could see that she's definitely not existing in a vacuum yeah which I think can, like, if you have a female character who's great at all of these things and kind of just stands alone, um, I think that that can be something that people criticize. But mm-hmm. Leia always, you know, she always felt like she was a part of something because right. she was. And, we, we, you know, we see, right. we don't really see her alone, you know, I think, and I think that that, again, comes from her parents. Once you factor in her, her backstory as well, there's, there's, she feels like she's been groomed for the role, but she's also been given an in to the rebellion by her father. And so everything feels very natural. So if you just take a new hope, and if we were just responding to a new hope as if it existed in a vacuum, I think that today we would really see a lot, you know, to criticize about Leia's character being perfect at everything and, you know, uh, stuff like that. But I think that they did such a nice job of fleshing out a backstory that actually justifies exactly who she is and exactly what we see in context of the rebellion Mm -hmm. and after the rebellion as well. But I don't know, for some reason she is this, this very impressive character that somehow always rings true to me. Mm-hmm. I think she has such a presence that men are scared to say she's a Mary
2: Sue. They're like, we're not going there. We're not touching it. Like, yeah. she just has that commanding presence that I, I just don't think they want to mess with.
1: <laughs> well, and I, One thing I would really appreciate about um, George Lucas's writing is that he he created this world where everybody just took for granted that she was the boss and was just like, yes. And, and, and it wasn't, she wasn't like... I get to be the boss, even though I'm a woman. How dare you look at me like that, sir? Like there were never any of those conversations. It was just like this universe where this is normal. And, and it just like suspend your disbelief if this isn't the world you live in, because this is how it is here. And, and so I think that kind of enabled him not to have to beat us over the head with any of, you know, some of the things that I think make women come off maybe a little aloof sometimes is like that you feel like you have to explain why people listen to her it's like because it's a galaxy far far away and people do yeah just just go with it
0: and and we do see that right from a new hope right from empire strikes back when she's talking to the pilots and it's just like they're just she's this tiny little woman they're Mm -hmm. all watching her they're they're all they recognize her authority but she's not you know she's not a She's a commanding presence, but she's not a domineering presence. Mm-hmm. Yes. She knows who she is. She knows that she is the leader, and she won't let people step on her toes. Mm-hmm. But she also knows exactly how to communicate in a way that says, this is for all of us. We are working for the good of the rebellion. And I think that that's why people people just listen to her. And and mm-hmm. like you said, like it's not... It's not something that has to be explained in this world. We all just kind of take it for granted, but she's set up to be a good leader right from the start. And I think that that's a beautiful image. You know, I, I, I think if we're talking about, you know, the different images of Leia, the different roles that she embodies, I think that that's probably the one that really stands out to me is just how natural George Lucas um, just, you know, he just gave her this image of this natural born, but also cultivated leader who is just really good at what she does and embodies a confidence that, that um, shows that she just, she knows how to serve as a leader so well.
1: And I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And as you know, for having daughters, of course, I'm always like keen on um, strong female characters. Right but I'm also not generally a big fan of the ones who have to yell and scream about how they're strong female characters. Like I prefer it's like, you know, don't, don't tell me, just show me. Um, And I, I love that my girls can sit and they can watch this world where like, she doesn't have to explain to anyone. She doesn't have to justify why she's confident and why she's strong and why she's capable. She just is. Um, Because I mean, who doesn't want that to be the world that they're, that their kids live in. Right. So that's, that's one of my, one of the things that I really do love um, about star Wars is that it's just there and, and we just can kind of go with it. Yeah, definitely.
2: Definitely.
1: Okay. So here's the most um, important <laughs> and deep question of the night what is your favorite Leia look? Because let's not pretend like we don't all have an opinion on this. Cause we were all little girls watching princess Leia and we all had a favorite look. So what, what was yours?
2: Okay. So mine, I knew it immediately. Mine is, um, the white from the empire strikes back, like the little vest and stuff. I don't know to me. And I like the way they do her hair, kind of the way you've got your hair tonight, the way they do it back. Uh it, it just to me is Leia. Like it's not too fr- like prissy, but yet it is there's still kind of a feminine look to it, and that's the outfit she's in with my favorite moment of mm-hmm. Han I love you. I know. So that that's my favorite Leia because I love The Empire Strikes Back. So that's mine. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah, I I for me it's it's Cloud City Leia with the the, the white the white jumpsuit, but then with the, the red flowing cape or, you know, not, not really a cape, not really a cloak, but just kind of a, the cover. Mm-hmm. I just think that like, it's, I don't know, like I, I would wear it if it, if it existed. <laughs> like, I, I love it. I think that it's so, it, it's so flattering on her, but I also think that there's like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very feminine. And yet I love that it's kind of like a jumpsuit underneath where it's like, she's got trousers and, and it just, it feels very much like somebody who. Um, you know is both a part of these these very refined circles but also is very ready to pick up a blaster and shoot her way out of a situation um i love that i love her hair i i just i everything with empire strikes back leia
1: yes well of course me being the like epitome of a girly girl i was really keen <laughs> on the um the celebration dress that she wears at the end of A New Hope. With the flowy sleeves and the ridiculously ludicrously large bun. You know, with the braid coming down her back. That was always, like, my favorite Leia look. I like it. Yeah.
2: So none of us picked uh, a bikini Leia. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, hey, no, it is a look, no. though. She was looking fine, so. She's looking fine, <laughs> I
1: just, you know. So fun story on that. Whenever I first, like the first round of costumes that I made for these kids. Because I usually, I make costumes for my three children and my sister's three children. Because I'm mm-hmm. insane. So the first <laughs> time I was asking my niece, I was like, Selena, what what costume would you like? You know, Aunt Rich is making costumes. Like, which one do you want? And she's like, I was thinking maybe the one where she's got the gold here and the gold down here. And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling your daddy that she's like four or five at this point. I was like, "No, that's not an option." Try again. She's like, "Well, what about the one where the with the girl who's dancing and she's got the things on her head?" And I was like, "Not that one either." <laughs> Try again. <laughs> actual cloth is required, like actual coverage. <laughs> I am not taking a child. No. No. Dressed like a a dancing slave girl to a comic con. No,
0: <laughs> i say that uh, close runner up is is uh, Endor Leia, both the uh, poncho and I do really like the dress that she's wearing with her hair down. Yeah,
1: whereas, yeah. When Luke
2: finally tells her, is, is it is it weird that I like bounty hunter Leia? <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I mean she
2: rocks the look she does i mean well, and you get you get another kiss and i love you moment so.
1: right well you know i mean and, and what what look does she not totally own right and i mean even um even that that dreadful um gold bikini like you, like she's there and she's in this you know and clearly uh, in fact somebody was was complaining because they had made an action figure of this this character they're like why would i want my daughter to you know how what am i supposed to tell my daughter and carrie fisher basically said you tell her that she was kidnapped by a giant ugly slug man who made her wear that and then she killed him and took it off (laughs) (laughs) and i was like well there you go i mean because even like in the most degrading like moment right of course she's obviously this is also her moment to like you know be dressed like a barbie doll but like in in the story right this is like her most degrading moment is she's like got a a shackle around her neck and she is tied to the ugly slug man (laughs) but she is still even whenever all control has been taken from her she is still hurt. she is still like poised and waiting for the moment when she has the hand up she's she's not taking it lying down like she she's dealing whatever like you know it, it it's that that sort of like you know you you can't touch me sort of vibe that i get from her it's like you you can't touch the the essence of you of who i am like all, all you can do is is dress me you know like like a dancing girl but you don't get to
2: define
1: that's excellent it's like I'm saying it's like I can't think that's exactly it you don't get to define me in any way
0: and I think that really is her you know like like I said before you know she, this is so just a woman who's very you know defined by her her beliefs and you know she she knows what she stands for mixed with the fact that she's just very practical mm-hmm, and so she's yeah. just like this is a terrible situation and I'm going to use it to my benefit and she ends up becoming the hot slayer and yeah that's yeah so cool well, and i
2: i love it because it's like her taking her chance to assert back her authority mm-hmm. like like this little woman but yet she has this this authority about her and it's like the moment you said like she gets the upper hand like nope i'm top dog <laughs> right and she just takes it back and she's back on you know she's back in charge basically <laughs>
1: So it's kind of been suggested since you brought since you brought it up. It's kind of been suggested that you know we should no longer use like slave Leia as as the the designation for right that that costume or that season or, or anything like that. That you know we should replace it with Hut Slayer. So do you do you feel strongly about that, or do you feel like like what are your kind of thoughts on that?
2: I I will say I, I mean I like seeing her as the the Hutt Slayer. But I don't necessarily see that because I think that that aspect, there's so many women who can relate to that. Think of how many women have been in, and I know this is a little different for Leah, but women who have been in abusive relationships or something and they kind of take back their, their person again. Like, I, I feel like she can almost be... Uh, kind of a role model for those women like even of like where you you really are kind of a slave in your own way I mean women really do get bound up in like really bad relationships and there can come this moment that you, you wake up and you take back your authority like you take back who you are and so I have mixed feelings because do you get what I'm saying I feel mm-hmm. like that that can also speak to people on a, on another side of things
0: yeah I think that I definitely see the argument for kind of almost redeeming that outfit and redeeming that segment. Um, But, I mean, A, I'll say, regardless of marketing or whatever they do, I think this is kind of a situation like we experienced in The Mandalorian where Jon Favreau kept telling us, it's the child, it's the child, and the universe kept saying, baby Yoda! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't think that 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 Hut Slayer Leia is going to become the the term that is in the public conscience yeah. for that outfit. Probably so not. So that's already going to be an uphill battle if they tried to do that. Mm-hmm. But I also do think that like again, it's it's not the outfit itself that defines that moment mm-hmm. even if it might in this case, define an action figure or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. You know, like if you're going, you're going to get Cloud City Leia or you're going to get Endor Leia or you're going to get Slave Leia. I don't think that that's going to really change in people's minds, but that doesn't mean that you can't tell the story a little bit differently and and really making sure that she, you know, that you're recognizing that she does a assert herself in that moment. I think that we can do that. But I don't know, I guess I just wouldn't, uh, I I guess I wouldn't spend a lot of money trying to market that when I don't think that it's going to change the public conscience.
1: Uh, Probably not. And you know, we actually had this conversation back when we talked about, about Leia on Scarif, like two years ago, because somebody asked me as the only woman uh, in the conversation, like, well, what do you think about it? And just sort of my, my off the cuff thought was like, you know, I don't think that that moment being um, designated as Slave Leia, I don't think she's ashamed of that. Like, that was where she was. That, that happened to her, and it was a thing. And she doesn't have to pretend like it wasn't what it was. Yeah. She doesn't have to reframe it in order to, for it to be a part of her and to own it and to have overcome it. Um, and I think that you know as as women and um just as humans in general i think it's important for us to be able to own the terrible things that have happened to us because yeah. you know there are things in my life that i i hope never ever happen to my children there are things that um that that could define me that don't because they don't get to because i am not the worst things that have happened to me. And I don't think that she is the terrible things that have happened to her. I don't think that she is the pain or the humiliation or any of that. She is her own person. And, you know, and while I think that, that Slayer is also valid and I, you know, I, I like that designation. Um, And I think that she in, in universe, I think she would wear that with pride. I don't think that she would deny that she had been a slave for a moment and, that she gets to overcome that too.
2: Well, and I think too, even with that, Leia had the assurance Luke was on his way. I mean, this was a multiple facet. There are multiple steps in this plan. So she does know, that's why she's not surprised when he's standing there. Right, (laughs) She knows he's on the way. So it is temporary. But I think little things like this, as we've talked about, it goes back to why she's not a Mary Sue. Like she, she is someone that had ups and downs and difficulties mm-hmm. and it wasn't always easy for her and her being slave Leia is one of those things that, I mean, good Lord. I mean, I, it, I mean, talk about trauma, having that guy's job of the hut's tongue that close to you.
1: <laughs> oh, like I remember as a kid, just Chris. like, ah, I'm nasty. Yeah. They they nailed that. as an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good that's a good comment though to, to make in terms of like, you know, people who are like, well, she doesn't have a character arc, she doesn't she doesn't have this story. And it's like, well you have to remember that things that happen to you, some things come from within and they're you know character flaws that we need to overcome and some things are things that happen from without and mm-hmm. they're external forces that force us to respond to them. And Maybe we don't see a lot of internal struggle with Leia, and we certainly could, given the trauma that she's gone through. But we do see her overcoming those um, those external forces which weigh on her, and that's an important thing to have in storytelling too.
2: Absolutely, well, and exactly. And I think even for this, you know, back in the seventies, it is Star Wars, and it's like true military people that are trained. They don't have, when they're truly in war, they're not processing who just fell to their left. They will process that when they are safe and it is over and they can. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like you see that with Leia. Like, she doesn't have time to process these things. Like, that would be for, like, a book sometime off screen or something. Because in the three movies we see, it's just nonstop war. I mean, Leia we goes to therapy. <laughs> Yeah, we don't see anything of like real soft moments in any of their lives. It's just, it's wartime and you just got to keep surviving basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in the first segment, we, we talked about how, you know, there's kind of that criticism of, well, why does Luke get to grieve for Obi-Wan and Leia doesn't get to grieve for Alderon? And it's like, okay, well, first you have to recognize that Luke is the hero of this story. Leia is a hero, but Luke is the hero. There's an idea that he has to grieve his mentor figure. But at the same time, like we also mentioned, like Luke didn't know. Luke didn't really understand what she had just gone through. And I think that there is, you know, we've talked about her compassion and we've talked about her practicality. And in that moment, there is a practicality to compassion that Mm -hmm. she shows. Luke is in need of compassion and she gives it to him but and it would have been nice to be able to see her deal with Alderon. and i'm grateful that we've since got some stories that show us a little bit more into that but i think that not every character is going to have all of those beats and for her we kind of get to be more of an observer of, you know, her planet is destroyed, and like we don't get to see her grief. But, but I will say that like one of the geniuses of Star Wars, especially of, of George Lucas's Star Wars, is that we see Alderaan destroyed, and we care because of Leia. We yeah. don't care because there are millions of people on that planet. Mm-hmm. Which honestly is a qualm that I have about Force Awakens when you see all of the different planets blow up and they try to show us, like, people on the planet, but they haven't set up that there's any reason why we should care. Did and you,
1: did you see... This, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: So in this case... The fact that we see Alderaan's destruction through Leia's eyes mm-hmm. sets her up as an even more essential figure because she is the one who raises the stakes, and she has a purpose in that story. Re- whether or not we actually see her able to grieve for it,
1: absolutely. Uh, so, as an aside, have you did you watch uh, Resistance?
0: I've watched a
1: little bit of her system. Okay, Over, I've watched it. It was it was not my favorite. However, the episode where they actually blow up the Hosnian system, um, one of our characters is from the Hosnian system, so you get it from a little more of a personal perspective. It's it like it was way sadder for me watching it happen on Rebels than it was ha- watching it happen in the movie because you had that point of view character to kind of connect with. Interesting question to ask. You
0: know. Rumors are always coming down, but, you know, Sebastian Stan's always been rumored as Luke. We've got our young Han. I just wonder, like, you know, do we want to see Leia as a younger version? And if so, what would you like to see?
2: Hmm. I really don't, because... It's like had they done a young Leia a few years ago, Millie Bobby Brown really can freakishly look like young Carrie Fisher in a way. But I feel like as they've gone so she's gone so much older now. You're almost right on the hills of when Carrie Fisher started. So I just don't really feel like I want her cast at this point. Like I feel special and almost guarded towards Leia about not being recast. I mean, if they did it right, fine. You can change my mind. I just would almost, I just almost prefer with Leia more mentions at this point or something. I, I think to recast her is very difficult at this point.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, I'll echo that. I mean, I think that I would love to see her if if they could find somebody who really looks like her. I I, I really loved the. I think that the CGI technology is looking fantastic from what we saw in Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. A lot of people still have problems with it, and I definitely think that. If they're planning on bringing Luke back, I hope that they're planning on just using Sebastian Stan as opposed to continuing to use the CGI technology. That being said, I don't know if I really see a place for Leia. I I think, I guess one of the problems here is that, you know. There's a lot that can be explored, but I think that you could always run into problems with more exploration of her character, either like, you know, if they if she shows up kind of around the same timeline as The Mandalorian, and you know, she's she's a young mother and dealing with a lot of what we eventually see in things like Bloodline. Um, like I could I could see that being a really interesting story, but at the same time it's it is kind of hard. It's kind of hard to spend a lot of time exploring a character who, um, you know, again, I just kind of think about the fact that she deals with a lot of external trauma, but we haven't really set up the fact that she has a lot of flaws herself. And I don't really know if that would be something that, um, if we tried to, if we tried to give her a really good meaty plot line where she deals with some, you know, deep internal flaws and things like that, would that help or hurt her character? I'm not really sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I say less is more with Leia
1: at this point.
0: I think so too. And I think that with, with Carrie Fisher's passing, I think that most people are going to think the same thing.
1: I th- honestly think at this point, if they decided to do more with Leia, I think that they cast her in a season where they can put enough makeup on Billy Lord you know to be like close enough and just call it at that i think that's the most likely scenario if they decide to recast leia
0: i think so too as much for carrie fisher's memory as for the character itself because i think that i mean like sebastian stan looks freakishly like mark hamilton Mm -hmm. (laughs) at that age Mm -hmm. i think i mean fans have already said like if, if we're getting young luke again I think he's the way to go.
1: I was convinced it was Sebastian Stan initially.
0: I I really was too. I I was like, it was, it was honestly, it was honestly more distracting to me because I sat there going, is that, is that him? (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know if we have somebody like that for Leia. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if they ever did anything just for like a small um, cameo or something like that, I think that, not trying to replicate her looks entirely, but just letting Billy do it mm-hmm. would probably be the way to go.
2: Um, yeah. Well, and I think too, I think why I say less is more is I feel like with Leia from the books, from her story, her story feels more like it's less of a mystery than Luke's where Luke has this huge gap that just feels like mm-hmm. this massive mystery to all of us where Leia's story feels more complete. And like, we know what she was doing in our minds, at least, mm-hmm. I don't know maybe you guys don't feel that way. I just feel like her story feels more complete where Luke's they've intentionally done that. It, even with the additional source, mm-hmm. like through books and things, it's very much a mystery. What Luke right. did. We don't know yeah. much about Luke from this time period. So that's, that's where I, I feel. like, again, it's kind of like we have her, if they want to put her in books and things, great. Or in any animation form, like they did with rebels for that ex- episode. Great but less is more like mentions with Rangers of the new Republic or whatever, but, but not, I I don't want to see a recasting really at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll echo that, especially in terms of like, especially with the books, like I know a lot of casual viewers don't really know everything that goes on in the books, but I think that her life is kind of set out pretty firmly you yes. know she becomes a mother very soon after the original trilogy. She and Han get married and she becomes a leader. Like, I mean, she's, there's not really much mystery there. Yeah. Luke is going to have a lot of mystery because we don't really know how much they're going to recanonize from the EU. Mm-hmm. Namely. I would like to see Mara Jade. <laughs> right. <laughs> I. It's not going to look exactly the same as what we got before, but you know, they brought Thrawn in and he's definitely very different as well. And so well, I think step- it's right yep. that uh, Luke has more mystery. And so if they're planning on bringing him in, there's a lot that can be done with that, that uh, time period for him that doesn't really have the same freedom for Leia.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, she's pretty much, yeah, it's like, okay, she's a, uh... You know, she has the baby, she's a senator, then she kind of goes her own direction and does the new republic and that's pretty much like and that's Leia. Um and and like I, th- I think you're right. I think they're intentionally leaving Luke a lot more ambiguous. Um so I guess it'll be really interesting to see what direction they they decide to go. Yeah. Um and I would say like I have full of confidence they'll do all the right things. And I did love, like after Solo, I was like, whatever they do, I'm here for it. And -hmm. then of course, you know, some things happened with some characters. And I was like, you did what? (laughs) So now I'm not quite so keen to necessarily see them do more things with all of my favorite characters, but You know, they're not asking me, so I guess uh, one way or the other, I guess we'll see what direction they they decide to go eventually. And
0: and thankfully, the management that we're under now, more with all of the stories that we're getting, comes from people who have already proven themselves and the fact that they can tell stories in this universe. So. (laughs) I I really lament the fact that Disney acquired the franchise and just launched into a sequel trilogy with with directors and writers who kind of just wanted to do their own thing. But I'm hopeful that the uh, the leaders who are kind of rising to the top of the storytelling heap at Lucasfilm. I, I have a lot more confidence in them than I than I do the people who were involved in the trilogy.
2: Yeah agreed
1: <laughs> and you know and i guess with this n- next batch of things coming out i guess we'll really kind of test that if it's like is the mandalorian kind of its own thing that sort of you know or or is this a kind of retooling of how we're telling stories i think that'll be that'll be the most interesting thing that we'll discover in the next couple of years True. Oh, yeah.
0: the idea of whether or not the mandalorian was a one-off success or if, if we're still going to see the same level of storytelling and and, you know, and that's going to be hard because you know, right now we're seeing um, you know, just practically Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau, who I definitely see as the new master and the new apprentice, you know, they're, they're executive producing Mando, Ahsoka Rangers. And what was the other one?
1: The The, uh, acolyte.
0: Those three. And then
1: that there was the acolyte
0: at least those three. Yeah. Plus, you know, whatever... Oh,
1: Bubba? Bubba Fett, yeah.
0: Boba. yeah. Yes, Boba Fett. Um, and they're doing all of that, which which is the reason why we're already seeing a delay in Mando season three, because they simply can't all be in production at the same time. So mm. for me, it's like, okay, well, I really hope that the two of them are training up their own apprentices because right. we need to know that that they're not going to run themselves into the ground. Right. as much as I adore them and their leadership. Um, I do have a great hope that um, in the same way that, um, you know, and again, this is the reason why I feel like it, Disney would have been much better off if they had just held off on a sequel trilogy and and done something like Mando first. Because The Mandalorian Season 1 is a multi-million dollar audition tape for a bunch of different directors. Mm-hmm. And they've brought yeah. most of those directors all of those directors back. And now we've got uh, Deborah Chow working on Kenobi. And, and you know, I, I think that what we're going to be seeing is just kind of these different projects getting parceled off to different people. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that so far, each of them have proven that they're able to tell stories in these universes. And as, as long as we can get some other really great um, writers, not just directors.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Going forward.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, I, I feel pretty confident because I feel like from the directors, like Rich Rodriguez working with Bubba Fett, uh, Rick, Fai- I always mess up his name, Fai- Mia. I don't know how to say his name. Oh, yeah. I, but, yeah, there we go. Um, It's like he's written a few episodes now. So it's almost like they are training people like who mm-hmm. could kind of take on, at least they could delegate a lot that they trust and that they can work with. So I, I, I feel pretty confident about it. hmm
0: and I think that that's the thing, too, is that, um, you know, the reason why I hammer so much on the fact that Disney started with the sequel trilogy is that Disney should have recognized that they were inheriting a very difficult situation with not only acquiring the franchise, but also George Lucas's retirement. So yeah. the fact that they kind of just, you know, barreled forward with the sequel trilogy, I think, without much idea of where they wanted to go and um also decided that they, they 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 thought that a cohesive story could be told with three different writers and i just think you would never expect lord of the rings to be written by three different authors why would you expect this to be a cohesive narrative yep. that's my biggest problem and that's where i place the blame as mm-hmm. opposed to any not even any one writer or or director just the fact that they they really barreled forward and and made all of these decisions about characters that again, as we were talking about before, that people had spent forty years thinking about and and loving and coming up with different headcans or enjoying the EU. Um, unfortunately, I really don't feel like they set themselves up for success, regardless of how it performed at the box office or what reviewers were saying. Like, I just, that's my problem with where they went. And I, I, am hopeful that Disney has learned from that. I'm, I'm hopeful. I I see, I see that in the fact that like um, the Kenobi show is only being written by one person Mm -hmm. that Mando has pretty much been helmed by um, uh, John Favreau writing. And then with him, delegating certain episodes to different people but uh you know Dave Filoni's writing Ahsoka I, I I think that that probably speaks to them recognizing that if you're going to tell a story you have to be able to give that storytelling authority to one person
1: Yep, yeah. I think that we've proven that the story group whether they were being ignored or whether they just weren't doling out really cohesive um information i don't know what the deal is there but that that's maybe not the best way to kind of keep track of your story yeah i mean i don't know that there was a way i mean once you don't have george lucas anymore then you're left trying to fill obviously fill that hole um and if dave filoni didn't want it which for all we know they may have offered it to him and he was like nope not touching that with a 10-foot pole so what do you do you you get like the greatest director and you get a whole bunch of people who knew about star Wars to tell them that should work. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a good plan, but I don't.
0: And that's the thing is that strike three for Disney, they, they acquire a, they acquire a franchise um, that just loses its creator strike, strike two. Like that's already like a really hard thing, but the person who was helming the last 10 years or the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, was Dave Filoni, who's a fantastic storyteller, mm-hmm. but he was not a live action director. Right, he had not written for the big screen, mm-hmm. and it's a totally different skill set. Mm-hmm. And so when people say, "Oh, Dave Filoni just should have written the sequels," it's like, ah, I get it. I understand why you say that, but that was not a position that we should have put him in either. And so again, it was just a matter of acquiring a franchise that was kind of dealing with a lot of strikes against it at the time. Mm-hmm. It was very necessary. I don't I don't really um, uh, blame George Lucas for selling to Disney because I think that you know the franchise was kind of hemorrhaging. He was paying for Clone Wars with his own money and and mm-hmm. all of these kinds of things. I think that it was necessary. I just wish that Disney hadn't jumped in full bore to continue the Skywalker story without kind of consolidating their storytelling leadership before doing so.
1: You mean continue the Skywalker story that had really not Jack to do with the Skywalkers? But anyway, that's not <laughs> the point of this conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just need three more movies after Return of the Jedi. I
1: I still contend that if if you had called this anything other than the Skywalker story, it just would have gone over better. Cause I mean I honestly I really love the the kind of story, mostly the first two installments, but I I I have some affection for the last Jedi too, but it's just like why right like the Skywalker's are really irrelevant to this whole story except for you know Ray Skywalker which I'm okay with but anyway
0: <laughs> that, that gets back to our theme of adoption
1: back to our theme of adoption which I like of all the the themes that they kind of explored in the sequels I think as as many people as hated Ray Skywalker. I was there for it because in the same way that um, Leia was entitled to be Leia Organa because the people who loved her and the people who invested in her and made her who she was, I think that that Ray gets to make that same decision for herself.
2: And last thing I will say on that is they did at least, it's like, I feel like people just because they go by in an American culture or, or in Western culture like the father's name, we kind of shake off Kylo, but it's like Kylo's blood was just as much a Skywalker as any of the other, you know, any other Skywalker. I mean, his mom was a Skywalker. So I mean, the story of the sequels, although I admit a lot of flaws, could have been done better. It, you know, it was too also Kylo's redemption story from start to finish, where I guess the one plan I saw this that made me laugh. The one plan Disney clearly had was that each main character was going to die trying to redeem Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> and that
0: was it. They executed that well. <laughs> Six but yeah, who if you can call it that. But who's the only
1: person who managed to to, to swing it Leia. Yeah. Because exactly. You exactly. Know,
0: we bring it
2: back to Leia. Because
1: she had enough cred and not nearly so much baggage that she managed to pull off what the men in her life just managed to take a stab at. It's true. It's true. true. So,
0: I mean, I think that that, that's really the big takeaway is, you know, there's a lot that I think should have been done much better uh, with the sequels, but it gives us a Leia who shows so much strength Mm -hmm. and so true to her character regardless of what happens with Han, I do love her steadfastness.
1: Absolutely.
0: That to me, I I don't have a problem with sequel Leia for that reason.
1: I think that may be like of all the adjectives we've pulled out to describe Leia um, in this, I think that that steadfast may be my favorite because that's just who she is. She's just so steadfast. Um, So just kind of to, as we finish up here, like in, in, in in a brief summary of all of the very imitatable and iconic things about Leia, what do you consider to be, like a, a, as you kind of uh, sign off and give us your information. Tell us your most iconic Leia look or line or whatever you consider to be most iconic about her, and then give us your um, all the places we can find you on the internet.
2: Well, okay, so I don't know that I have one moment. I'm just again, I'm such an Empire Strikes Bat girl like the whole hallway scene with her and Han going back and forth Han and just they their, uh, well, I need you here because you're a good leader. <laughs> no, like just their back and forth. Like everything about it is just, I love their back and forth the entire movie. And then of course, leading up to Han, I love you. I know. Um, so literally just empire strikes back. Leia
1: is what okay. I think of when it's I think of your most iconic.
2: Like, yeah. And yeah, it's the most iconic for me in every way. And So so that's my answer, and I, again, am Michelle Smith with Force of Light Entertainment, and you can find us all places podcasts are, and also uh, on YouTube at Force of Light Entertainment and Twitter and Instagram at Force of Light Entertainment. <laughs> but yeah, I've so enjoyed discussing this incredible female hero, as we established yes. in the first segment of this, that she is a hero and someone that not only little girls can look up to, but men can look up to and respect. Absolutely. So, so such an incredible woman. And again, as I said in the first segment, I'll say again, as Carrie Fisher said, I am the beginning of girl power. Deal with it.
1: <laughs> Perfect. And I'm Marisha with Coruscant Radio Underground. You can find me on Twitter. I am P Padawans, yeah. And you can find our show is c-r-u underscore podcast um and i have to go with like my childhood favorite leia line as like most iconic thing she ever said which would be can somebody get this walking carpet out of my way (laughs) i could never think leia without thinking that
0: such a good one well thank you both for for Joining and talking uh, with us tonight, I think that, yeah, this has been a wonderful celebration of all things Leia. And um, in regards to the question, I think I'm going to choose a deleted scene moment. Ooh. Yeah, kind of going off-road here. I have always felt that there was something missing in the scene in Empire Strikes Back when they first kiss. And just from a continuity standpoint, it always really bugged me that when they start to kiss, it's a close-up and then it's a wide shot and her hand is in a different position. It was, you know, held down and then it's in Han's hair or like around his neck. And as a kid, I always noticed those kinds of things. And I always thought, there's something missing there. And lo and behold, what I found out is that there's a moment missing when they kiss and then he pulls back. And she says, "Okay, hotshot," and then they kiss again. And then, and then that's when she pulls him closer. And I love that moment because I think that a it helps with some of the criticisms of that scene that he's pushing her too much, and that you know it can be read even as a little bit abusive. Um, but the fact that like she's she's there and like this is like we talked to, we talked before maybe even the the, the first uh, segment that she goes on this journey of self discovery about herself when she's dealing with Han and that's the moment when she affirms that she wants that that like I just think that it makes her so much stronger I think that that puts her in control of her own. Uh, story in that moment and I think that it just makes that scene work for me in a way that um, there's there's just something missing if I watch it without that moment so if they ever if they ever re-edit Empire Strikes Back which you know George Lucas is wont to do <laughs> right I would really love if they would put that moment back in yeah but yeah, thank you so much, ladies. I think that this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you to our listeners as well. You are you do so much to support um, all of our creative endeavors, and uh, thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts. For me, you can find Stories by Darksaber Light at all of your podcasting sites and on Twitter at, at DarksaberLight. Until next time, when uh, we'll be back with... More great conversations about the wonderful world of Star Wars. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening, and may the Force be with you.